Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you this morning for this church and their assignments, every person that's come. Lord, you know how to reach everybody where we are with the Word. I don't know everybody. I can't do that. But the Holy Spirit is a real teacher. And Lord, we just pray over this day that this will be a day of growth, a day of renewed and strengthened and maybe lights coming on again for purpose for every person that's here today. We say that. We bind the enemy. We declare that the devil's under our feet and Jesus is Lord. And this is a wonderful day. We declare that in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. We're going to talk this morning if you're taking notes. And I encourage you, if you do take notes, to take notes. If you don't take notes, go ahead and take some notes. Be good. Because it helps you remember what's going on. We're talking about fulfilling your purpose this weekend. Fulfilling your purpose. Do you know, when you think about the earth and how everything works, nothing God designed, and God designed this whole deal, it's all His idea, nothing is designed and put here without purpose. Specific purpose. You think about it. Uh, you know, and the purposes that of, of the different things contribute to, to other purposes. Let me try to explain that. It's like trees. We have trees, right? And trees are important to life. Because trees produce oxygen. Not only are they pretty to look at, but they produce oxygen for human beings. We need trees. Everything's got a purpose. Every plant, every everything God does, the oceans, the rains, uh, the water, uh, even bugs have purpose. I don't know what that is, but uh, they must. Because this is God's creation. And so God created humans, though, for the highest purpose. Would you not agree with that? I want you to look at a couple of scriptures with me this morning. First John chapter three, verse eight. We're talking about purpose. God created human beings with great purpose. And it says here that he who sins, I'm reading from the New King James, first John three, eight. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God, Jesus had purpose, right? Here's His purpose. For this purpose, this one purpose, was the Son of God manifested that He might destroy the works of the devil. You ought to clap your hands. Isn't that awesome? That's what Jesus did for us because we were all subject to this thing called a curse and we all sinned and messed up. We're all the same boat. Every one of us. We all missed it. I missed it bad in my life, okay? I felt horrible about myself. But I met Jesus and things began to change. It didn't become perfect right away. But Jesus came in to begin to eliminate a lot of those works that I had developed in my life. Anybody relating to this? I had a problem, man. I was on the road to alcoholism. I was, I was full. I remember how full of fear I was. I, I remember that really well. And how I was all, all the time just thinking, what's going to happen? This is awful. I don't know what I'm supposed to do in life. I was just a young guy. That's one of the reasons I was drinking, because I was filled with fear. You know, people get into this kind of stuff because of this working of sin in their life. And they don't know what to do because they're ruled by fear. But Jesus came for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. And then with that, He gave us, human beings, brand new purpose. Look in 1 John four seventeen. This wasn't in my notes, but I'm trying to go to sleep last night. And I'm thinking about what I'm going to preach today. And the Lord just dropped this. So i got to read it to you this morning. Because I believe it's for somebody. Help me. Uh, 1 John 4.17, New King James, says this. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Now, these are nine words which are so incredible. But I'm going to read them to you. Because as He is... So are we in this world. Nine words. Because as He is, not as He was even, on the earth. See, Jesus became a human being on the earth. He became a man and He walked out life on the earth. He, he, uh, he limited, God limited Himself to an earthly body. And came to experience life just like every one of us. Why did He do that? So He could totally relate to human beings and what you're going through today. For this purpose was the Son of God manifested, to destroy the works of the devil. But He became as He is. No, But think about it. It's not like as He was then. 
This is as he is now because he's not a human being now walking the earth. He's in heaven, glorified. He's got a human body, but it's been glorified. And as he is, so are we. Not when we get to heaven. Not when we get to heaven in this world. Right now. This is, this is us. This is, this defines a lot of your purpose, my brother and sister. God has put us here on the earth to do something wonderful and awesome. And we each have uh, not only a corporate purpose, but we have a unique purpose, uh, a reason for you being here. Because there's nobody quite like you. Did you know that? I mean, you think about the way God does human beings. They tell us there are like 7 billion people living on the earth right now with a B. 7 billion. That's a lot of folks. It's bigger than Grossbeck. I mean, that's big. Bigger than Oklahoma City. It's all of us. Everybody. You ever traveled? Like, I've, I've traveled overseas and, and you just kind of get an idea that this is a big old world when you do that. You know, one time Trudy and I traveled to uh, Zimbabwe. And so we went through Dallas Airport, Dallas Fort Worth. There's a lot of people there. And then our next flight, we went to London. So we get to London. And I'm, my gosh, this London Airport's just full of people. All kinds of people from everywhere. And then we, get, we fly to South Africa, Johannesburg. And doggone it, there's more people in Johannesburg. That's at the, at the other end of where we're from, you know? And then we get to Zimbabwe, and oh my goodness, here they are there too. Billion. Billions of people, seven billion, big old world. Think about this. Every one of those seven billion living right now on the earth is unique. Nobody looks just the same. They've all got a unique fingerprint that can, that can identify them. There's nobody has your fingerprint. You have a unique voice print. Did you know that? You, the, the way you speak, the tone of your voice, you may sound like somebody, but you're not just like anybody. I think that's so cool. Because see, we connect to God when we pray by our voice, right? And let me tell you what, He knows you, He knows you were coming before you got there. He heard you. And He knows you. This is amazing. This is mind blowing. You are unique. You may, you may look a little like somebody. You know, I just saw my little brother lives in Clifton and I, and we visited him yesterday. And you know, he looks a little like me, but he's different than me. And I, maybe you've been told you look like somebody. You've been told you look like somebody. I've been told before more than once that I look like an actor. And this guy's name is James Kahn. Anybody know who that is? James Kahn. He was like in The Godfather a long time ago in the 70s when I was young. He was Sonny in The Godfather. More recently, you probably know him from he was the dad in Elf. <laughs> that ring a bell? And I can see people going, eh, maybe so, you know, I, maybe so. But I'm not James Kahn. I'm, I'm me and you're you. There's nobody like you. God created you and He created you to not just live on the earth and just make it barely and survive and work a dead-end job and just get up and, 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 and go to church even once a week and yet... No! That's all part of your life. But you're here for purpose. And God wants you to be excited about your purpose. And I, I don't know if a lot of people on the earth fulfill their unique purpose. Because see, God puts a dream in everybody's heart. And he didn't, give, he didn't give you that dream to frustrate you. He gave you a dream to fulfill something unique for you to do in the earth. I heard a famous preacher tell a story one time, and, and this guy had, had visions of Jesus. Like Jesus, he saw him. He would have these visions and, you know, not a lot of people do that. that that's very unusual. I've never done that. And I, I don't know that many people, I've had, I've talked to people that heard Jesus audibly voice and that'd be pretty cool. I don't think you can pray that that happened. I don't think you can pray that you just see Jesus. But this man did. God dealt, he was a minister and there was purpose, I think, for God dealing with him this way. But he tells a story about one time he was in a hospital room and he was, it was late in the night and he'd broken his elbow and had surgery. And uh, and he tells the story how he had disobeyed God and the Lord told him, this is why this had happened. Because you were in disobedience to something I told you to do. So he was in the hospital room and he repented. He tells the story late at night. He's laying there in the hospital room. I think it's been the 50s or so. And he hears footsteps coming down the hall. And then his door swings open and in walks 
Jesus just walked in the room. Be pretty cool, wouldn't it? But here's Jesus. Jesus pulls up a chair and sits down and begins to talk to him. And he told him some things like, hey, I've forgiven you. You've repented and that's over. And now, but then he told him this, and this really caught, this is what caught me. He said, the Lord then told me, he said, you're, you're about to enter the third and final phase of your ministry. And then he threw this in. Most preachers don't enter the first phase of their ministry. You ever heard that story before? You heard that story, Pastor Randy? But, but that's what caught me. Most preachers don't enter the first phase? And then I thought, because I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about the, just everybody in the world, everybody generally in the body of Christ. Does that mean that most people never enter even the first phase of what they're here to do? Wouldn't it be sad if you get to heaven and, G, and you know, you're going to get to heaven and it's going to be wonderful, right? And you're going to be jumping up and down. Can you imagine how it's going to be to wake up in heaven and know you made it? That's going to be better than the best test you've ever passed in your life. I mean, it's going to be like, I'm in heaven. Yes! Wow! Glory. You're going to jump up and down. You made heaven! That's eternity! That's good. You made it, right? But then you're going to talk to Jesus about what you did in this life to obey Him and fulfill what you were put here to do. The Bible says that. I don't know how that's going to work. He's probably got your life on video. And He'll go through things. And He'll say, yeah, you did this pretty good. But, but I just think, wouldn't it be awful that Jesus said, you didn't do what I wanted you to do. You didn't believe big enough. You ought to write that down. We got to believe bigger. And believing bigger starts with you. You got to believe bigger about you. We get so beat down and the world pounds us and the, and life comes at us and, and we water, we get so watered down with life. We got to believe bigger because you're here for something bigger than yourself. And something in you burns to find that. And God put that in you. Now the way God gets purposes done, we're going to talk about this a lot this weekend. But I'll make this statement. You write this down. God works through teams. It's not just about you. It's not just about your deal. It's just not about, you, you know, you can get into this and you can get real narcissistic. And It's really not about you. It's about you fulfilling a high purpose to bless other people because you're here for other people. You're here for other people. And you're here for a great purpose. But it's to be a part of the teams of life because God works through teams. You need people in your life. You know, if, you, if you're too separated from people and you get off on your own, that's when people get weird. And they do weird things. It's like the Unabomber. You ever heard of him? Uh, up in Washington, this guy that he lived out in a little cabin in the woods and never was around people, so he must have been pretty smart. He starts developing this philosophy of life and writing things down. And then he just starts blowing people up. Yeah, listen, you, you need to be around people so you don't get weird, right? Because people help you. Helps you. you. You rubbing off on them and them rubbing off on you. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18 says this, It's not good for man to be alone. Now that's, then it goes on to talk about marriage, which is the fundamental foundational relationship of all relationships. And we'll be talking about marriage some tonight. But life is about, that's not just marriage, that's just generally true. It's not good to be alone. Life is about partnering with others. Marriage is like the foundational team. But significant businesses grow through teams. Churches have to have teams. We need people to get done what we're called to do. It takes people. The church is a team called by God to fulfill a great purpose. You can't fulfill your mission, though, if you don't have vision for the mission. You can't fulfill what you're, what you're supposed to do if you don't have vision or you don't see something that shows you a path to go. Are you listening to me? Proverbs 29.18 says, like, says it like this. Where there is no vision, the people perish. And I'll stop right there. That's the first half of the verse. But that's what, we want, that's what we're talking about. Where there's no vision, people perish. That perish, you know, we think about perish means you die, and it does. Eventually, everybody will. But that word perish actually means 
that people run wild or they don't fulfill the purpose of God. So here, what are we saying? You as an individual have great purpose, but that purpose will not be fulfilled unless you understand that you are a part of a team. Marriage is a team. The church is a team. And teams need vision to move ahead to do what they're called to do, right? Let me give you a vision or, or uh, an illustration. Trudy and I moved to from Texas. We, we grew up in Texas. Boy, Texans are awesome, aren't they? This is the friendliest church. Texans are just sweet and friendly and nice. And hi, y'all. So glad to have y'all today. I love that. Uh, but uh, anyway, we moved from Texas to Oklahoma uh, back in 1982. So we bought a house when we moved there. Got a little kind of a starter home there. And uh, But the house needed a little bit of work. But I'm busy working. So Trudy's parents came to visit us about a month or so after we've gotten there. And her dad... Could, he was a builder and he could fix anything. So we had a fence that had fallen down in the backyard. So he just took it upon himself. He said, I'm going to put that fence back up for you guys. So it's like we, he, he's going to take on this vision of building this fence, right? But he had a team to help him out. And he didn't really know it at the time, but my two-year-old son, Josh, two years old, wanted to help. We called him Bobo. He wanted to help Bobo build this fence. So here's my fence building team. Bobo and Josh it too, right? So they go in the backyard and Bobo assesses uh, what, what, what do we need to do with this? So his vision is as the leader, here's what we need to do. I need to dig some new post holes and, you know, pull out these other posts. And that's our first dig the post hole, put the posts in the concrete, and then we'll come back and nail the fence up. So he begins to dig holes. That's where you begin, right? But he's got a helper with him. This is the team, but he hasn't communicated to Josh what, what he's doing. Because Josh is just hanging out. So Bobo begins to dig fence posts, you know, post hole digger, moves one, two, three. And then he turns around and looks. And Josh is behind him with his little plastic bucket and shovel. And he's filling in all the holes. <laughs> so here's my, my point. We've got a team, right? But somebody on the team doesn't see the vision properly. So it's hindering the purpose being fulfilled. Does that make sense? So we need vision. That's what we want to talk about this morning. You have to have vision for all the teams. Now, let's, let's go back to the church as a team, right? And everybody on the team has a purpose. If you are a part of the church, and you are because you're here this morning, if you're a part of the body of Christ, I'll say it this way. If you're saved and you're serving Jesus, you have a mandate to be a part of the local church. Write this down. The local church is where it's at. This is the way God does it. I believe that. I believe we are living in the day like no other day on the earth of the maturing of the local church. Of churches and communities all over America, all over the world, big cities, small towns, having bodies of believers that are fulfilling the purpose for that area. It's a high calling. But everybody on the team has a purpose. The church is a team that needs vision to accomplish the, pers- the purpose. So this morning, there's going to take this a different direction tonight. But this morning, I want to talk to you about part of the team that makes up the local church that is often overlooked, underestimated. But if we don't get the importance of this team, we will not fulfill our purpose as the church here in Grosbeck, Texas this morning. Well, here's what I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about kids ministry. How important kids ministry is. Out of all the things that I've done in my life, all the different, and I, I can preach on a lot of things. I've been around a while. And I do a pretty good job. Uh, I love to preach on marriage. I do. And we do that a lot. But this is the one that burns in my heart. What I'm talking to you about this morning is the passion of my heart that as I get older, and I am getting a little older, I've got more time behind me than I do in front of me. If I can leave anything in the body of Christ... In our local church in Oklahoma City, as I travel, this is it. This is the message this morning. The importance of little kids in the local church. Are you ready for this? So here we go. Go to Mark chapter 9, verse 33. A part of you fulfilling what you're called to do and your fulfillment in life is being a part of the teams of the local church. Everybody needs to be active in the local church. You need to be doing something. You're called to do more than to just fill the pew on Sunday morning. Now, a lot of people don't do that. Because, you know, I, the statistics say that like 
most people go, the average, uh, let me say this right, the average Christian goes to church two Sundays a month. Two Sundays, two Sundays a month. And we normally have four Sundays every month, right? So write this down in your notes. Go to church all four. That's really what you're, you, you need to do that. But even further than that is you need to be a part of the church. I'm, t- I'm talking discipleship this morning. Is this okay? We're talking about how important it is that we all have a vision for kids' ministry. Mark chapter 9, verse 30, 33. Let's see what Jesus says about this. Then he came to Capernaum. This is Jesus, Mark 9, 33. And when he was in the house, he asked them, he's talking about his disciples, what was it you disputed among yourselves on the road? Now, Jesus is asking a question. He wasn't with his disciples, but he's picked up on something because Jesus knew stuff, right? He said, hey, boys, uh, what were you arguing about when you were on the road? And they kept silent. <laughs> they were kind of embarrassed. They probably kind of looked at each other and said, well, Jesus knew what we talked about. For on the road they had disputed among themselves who would be the greatest. (laughs) Isn't that kind of funny? They're walking down the road and they're having this kind of conversation. Hey, you know what? Jesus says He's going to be leaving and uh, really I believe I'm the one that's going to take over this ministry because, you know, Jesus is the one that calls me the rock. That's what Peter said. And maybe John argued and said something like this. Yeah, but you you don't understand this. I think I'm the one that's taking over because I'm going to be the greatest because I'm the one that he says he loves. You ever read that about John in the Bible? He said the disciple that the Lord loved. I don't know if the Lord said that. I think John just... Saw, just but that's good. You know, I, that's a good thing to say. I'm the one Jesus loves this morning. Yeah, because he does. But they're arguing about who's going to be the greatest. And Jesus knew it. But he didn't rebuke them for wanting to be great. God does not rebuke you for wanting to fulfill something important in life. Isn't that good? He put that in you. In fact, he goes on. He gives him some instruction. And he sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, If anyone desires to be first, so you want to be great? He shall be last of all and servant of all. And Jesus displayed that, didn't he? He didn't come as the king on a white horse. He came as a son of man. He served. He washed disciples' feet. He got down and dirty where people really lived. He hung out with sinners. You know, Jesus loves sinners. Did you know that this morning? There are sinners in Grossbeck, Texas this morning. Did you know that? Jesus loves every one of them right where they are. He got down with the people. So He lays out, that's the, that's the purpose, or, or that's, the, uh, that's the foundation of greatness. And that's what we're talking about this morning. Then he, verse 36, then he took a little child. We're talking about kids this morning. And set him in the midst of them. And when he had taken him in his arms, he said to them, whoever receives one of these little children in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. What a statement. When you receive a child, you're receiving Jesus. You know, I, I watched as these little kids left this morning and they all came flying by here throwing their offering in the bucket and then they left, right? All those, all those precious little kids. And I just thought, Jesus came to church this morning. But He said He came in the bodies of those little ones. And He's right back there in the middle of them. They're being taught the Word of God this morning, right? Do you know Jesus is in the middle of that? He loves kids. And He equates greatness with receiving children. I'm going to say that again. Jesus equated greatness with receiving children. Now, many church members see kids' ministry as child care. Or it's even babysitting. And they don't get the importance that that... No, 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 wait a minute. No! That's real ministry. That's because they see little kids and little kids don't seem very spiritual, you know? They just don't, right? They just... Wow, little kids. and They just do things, you know? And, you know, one time... (laughs) Uh, I had my two granddaughters a couple of years ago, and I, and Bo at that time is the middle one. My son has three kids. Gus is his son; he's the eldest, and then Bo, and then Sonny's the little one. And Sonny was four; Bo would have been six. So we're running around town. They're with me. They're with Papa, and we we went to McDonald's, had lunch, you know, and then we we went to uh, we had to go to Walmart on the way home to pick stuff up because everybody has to go to Walmart all the time, right? Don't you go to Walmart pretty much every day of your life? Yeah, 
That's just life. You go to Walmart. So I had to go to Walmart to pick up something, headed home. So we're walking around Walmart, and I got the, I got a basket. So I walked by uh, this big display of rubbing alcohol. And so I just thought, we need some rubbing alcohol, I think. I, so I just threw one in the basket. You know how you do. And so we pick up a few other things. and, uh, and, and But know this, kids watch everything. They watch everything. So we get home, and I'm unloading the groceries. And here, here's Bo standing there. And Bo is, she's just very outspoken, very honest all the time. And I pull this rubbing alcohol out of, out of the bag. And so Bo tells Trudy, Nana, she says, Nana, I don't know why Papa bought that alcohol. He's supposed to be a preacher. <laughs> Little kids get it, man, even though adults don't. Isn't that awesome? So, kid, we, you, you know, and, and if we're going to remember, you got to have a vision or you perish, right? So I'm going to give you some vision for kids' ministry this morning for everybody. Some people need to work with kids. Maybe not everybody, but some do. But even if you don't, you need to have a vision for what's going on back there. So let me give you some points about kids' ministry, how important it is. You ready? You tracking with me? Here we go. Number one, I got to hurry. The church started in the beginning with a strong vision about reaching kids. Did you know that? Acts chapter 2. Famous portion of Scripture. Acts chapter 2. This is when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost, right? And, and this happened in Jerusalem. It was during the Feast of Pentecost. So there's all sorts of uh, pilgrims that have come into the city. And they've come from everywhere to celebrate Pentecost. Jews from all around the country. Uh, and so, uh, it's right there on Main Street, Jerusalem, in the old city. I've been there. I've seen the, I've seen the place where this happened. Uh, the Holy Spirit is outpoured. 120 people. And they begin to pr- uh, pray in the Spirit, right? Remember? And they're speaking these languages. And it was causing confusion. Because people are walking by and some of them heard their language. I mean, there were different languages from everywhere. But then some are going, what are they saying? And then somebody says, you know what? I think these, they're crazy. They're, they, they've been drinking. And then somebody else says, no, it's only nine o'clock in the morning. You don't start drinking that early. And so Peter gets up to preach the first gospel message out of, after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit to give a definition about what's happening. That's what preaching does. It focuses us on what, what's that all about? So here's what he says, Acts 2.16. Here's what he said. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Everybody say all people. All people. You know, that began that day. It's still going on today. How many have had the Holy Spirit poured out on you since you became a Christian? Isn't that awesome? Man, when I met the Holy Spirit that day in 1971, it changed my life forever. Because I met him and I knew I sensed his power. And you know, Trudy, my, my beautiful wife, during that time was prayed for at a little home prayer meeting one night. And God touched her. She had crossed eyes she'd grown up with because she took a had an accident when she was little. Had one eye crossed in. Her vision was really, really bad. She had to wear glasses. We'd only been married a few months. She wore contact lenses and glasses. And we were so poor, she had to wear a pair of broken glasses kind of taped together because we didn't have the money to get new glasses. That's just where we were. But that night, they prayed for her eyes. Somebody said, Trudy, you believe Jesus could heal your eyes tonight? She'd grown up with this since she's four. She says, yes, I do. They prayed for her. Nothing happened right away, but in about an hour, they were done praying. I wasn't there. She tells the story. And she's walking down the hall, and she said, my eyes are bothering me. So I really... I." Took my glasses off, and then I went and looked in a mirror, and I put took my put my glasses on, and she said I couldn't see, and I took them off, and she said my eye had straightened up totally. She put her glasses on, she couldn't see. She took them off, her vision had gone twenty twenty. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. The Holy Spirit changed everything for us. That marked our life. We told that story all over the world. We tell that story to our kids. We remind ourselves of it. Don't lose the great things God did for you, right? Yeah. Hallelujah. But, but, uh, but the outpouring of the Holy Spirit happened. It began that day. In the last days, God said, I'll pour out my Spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my Spirit even on my servants. 
men and women alike, and they will prophesy. So Peter's saying, here's what's happening. It's the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And who's this for? He mentions different age groups. He talks about young men and young women. How many know we need young people in the church today? We need young people because they have energy. I watched my son's church. They, they planted this church uh, in, in labor uh, September would be four years ago in Oklahoma City. And we're believing God for a building. You guys believe in God for a new building? I saw that. We're believing, we, we're believing for a building. We have to sit up and tear down every week. Uh, we have three services on Sunday to get all the people in. We're running about 600 people in the church. It's really cool. God's blessing it. And it's growing. And, and we need young, I see young people in this church and they have energy and ideas. We need young people for that, right? And they do work because they're strong. But then you need old men. It says old men. Why? Old men are smarter. When you get old, you get smart because you've been around. Why? Right? And when you're old, you have more money. We need old people with money, right, Pastor? Because young people don't have any money. They're spending all their money. Everybody has a part to play. Listen, just think, just don't because, just because you're getting old doesn't mean you're done. You know, God wants to use grandparents in these times. And uh, I think, just personally, I think older people are cooler now than they used to be. Just my personal observation. When I was a kid, it seemed like everybody, my older relatives like my aunts and great aunts and uncles, seemed like they tried to look old. It's like uh, we had a bunch of my my grandma, uh, my grandmother and grandfather came from East Texas, out in what they call the Piney Woods, to to the Panhandle to farm, and and so a lot of the people would come back from East Texas. And I remember Aunt Bess in particular. Aunt Bess was probably about seventy five years old at this time, but she had a little white granny hairdo. She had granny glasses. You know what I'm talking about. Aunt Bess wore a big granny dress with. It's like she's trying to look old. And Aunt Bess was sweet. She had a little granny voice like this. And she, uh, she dipped snuff. <laughs> and she had a green bean can. She'd spit snuff in. She'd be talking. I'm a little kid, six years old, watching. And she'd be talking. Then she'd spit. And I'd think, ooh, I don't want to see what's in that can. And the, but, but, you know, today's grandparents are cooler. I'll give you some. Did you know today people live longer than they used to? So there's more old people around. Uh, the average age of being a first-time grandparent is 47. Today's grandparents are healthier. They're more street smart. They're computer smart. They got iPhones and iPads. I'm preaching from an iPad because I am cool. <laughs> Today's grandparents drink lattes. I had one yesterday. Today's, I love this one. They're more sexually active than previous generations. Yes. They're more travel. They get out more. Let me give you a scripture for this so you don't think I'm just... Psalm 71, 17. Man, if you're older, you ought to claim this. Trudy and I claim this all the time. Oh God, You have taught me from my youth. And to this day, I declare Your wondrous works. That's what I'm doing this morning. Now also, when I am old and gray-headed, gray-bearded, Oh God... Do not forsake me until I declare your strength to this generation, your power to everyone who is to come. We need every age group. Just because you got old, you're not done if you're alive. Fill your place. Number two, we're talking about kids this morning. We're talking about purpose of the church. Kids can really know Jesus when they're little. They really can. They can get saved when they're little. They can connect with Jesus when they're little. They can worship Him and access His presence when they're little. You know, there's a famous story in the Bible. Remember when Jesus went into the temple? Right before the crucifixion? He cleaned all the, all the, the money changers out. Remember that story? And then the Bible said that the lame and the blind came to Him and He begins to heal them. When the temple got cleaned out, the power of God began to flow because now it's back to the real deal, Right? Sometimes we need to clean things out that are holding us back. I think so. the moral of that story. But the Bible says that as he's doing that, that the children, everybody say the children. The children begin to worship him and say, Hosanna to the son of David. And that made the religious leaders upset. Look in verse uh, Matthew 21, 16. Am I doing okay? You guys all right with this? 
We're talking about purpose this morning. We're talking about little kids. It, it said to them, this is the, 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 the Pharisees, the religious people, said to Jesus, do you hear what these are saying? You know, the devil got real upset when little kids were praising the Lord. And Jesus said to them, yes, have you never read? I love that. Jesus said, hey, haven't you boys ever read the Bible? And he quotes Psalm chapter 8 and verse 2. Jesus quoted Scripture. And here's what he said, Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have perfected praise. That's what Jesus said about little kids. In other words, he's saying, little kids' praise is the best kind. That's why we need to have, we need to train kids to praise the Lord. That's why I do all that kids' music. I have heard so many stories through the years. So bless me about my songs and how people, even when they grew up, my songs would come back to them. They'd remember some song when they're going through a trouble time. Because that's the thing about music and worship music. It comes back to you. And, and, and the Bible said God will give you a song in the night. Sometimes, you ever been going through something and a song just kind of rise up and, and it ministers to you? The Holy Spirit quickened that to you. But little kids praising God is biblical. I think that's one of the things that marked us with, with the Gospel Bill Show is we had times, uh, of, we did music videos and we had times in our meetings that we would lead kids in worship. One night we were at, uh, many, many years ago when Willie George started a kids camp called Dry Gulch USA back in the 80s. And, uh, and the characters from the TV show, my character would do this, we'd go out and do a particular night during the week of the camp. And that was back a long time ago when we had an outdoor tabernacle in the summertime. It was hot, buddy. Heat's a-coming. Did you know that? I can feel it. Can you feel it? <laughs> Heat's a-coming. You know, you're in the winter and you kind of forget how hot it gets. It gets hot. We're in the south. And, uh, man, it gets so hot in the summer. And it get, One summer in particular, it was really dry out there. So Trudy and I are doing a service, and that night I taught on healing. And then I'm concluding the message. And there's a couple of hundred little kids there. And they all stood up and we did a worship song. And we're in the middle of this worship song. Worshiping the Lord. These little kids are singing. It's hot. I'm just sweating. But the Lord gave me a word. And He said this to me. He gave me one word. He said, asthma. Asthma. And so I thought, well, the Lord wants to heal somebody with asthma. You know, sometimes God will just give you a little bit. He doesn't say He'll give you a word of knowledge. I mean, a paragraph of knowledge. It's a word. All I have is one word. So I get done and 200 kids. I said, boys and girls, now, I don't know this, but I believe Jesus gave me the word asthma. So if somebody here, you have asthma, Jesus wants to heal you tonight. If that's you, raise your hand. I bet a dozen hands went up in the crowd. Here's one thing I love about kids. Even if they don't have the condition, they'll try to get it to help you out. <laughs> I'm serious. You know, adults aren't the same. Pastor, I've been in churches. I bet you've done this. And, and you had a word and you gave it out and nobody came. And I have something I thought God told me, but nobody would come up. And so, and I've concluded the service, and this has happened more than once. After the service, somebody would walk up to me and say, Brother Ken, that was me. I'm, I have that condition. Can you pray for me? And I'll say, yeah, I can pray for you, but let me help you. You should have come up when the anointing. So I pray with you by faith. See, there was an anointing back there that, that God wanted you to be obedient. See? But anyway, all these little kids. Can, so uh, we, we, we brought them up, prayed for everyone. I'm sending them back to their seat. I doubt they all had asthma, but whatever. We prayed for them. So, uh, and then I felt like I had, I had more. I said, there's somebody here that, the asthma has left you. You know, It's gone. And you know it's gone. I mean, the condition's gone. And this little girl starts waving her hand like that, like big eyes blonde. Never forget it. I said, is that you? I said, come up here. As she's walking up, she's breathing and giggling. <laughs> and giggling. It's like she would breathe and she could breathe. And so she's laughing about it. And I said, honey, what happened? I put her on the mic. She's, she goes, oh, I've had asthma really bad, really, really bad. And I can hardly, oh. and then she'd like check it out again. It's then laugh. She said, but you know what? It's gone. Oh, I can breathe and it's gone. And Jesus help me. She throws her hands up and starts praising God. And then all, all the kids in the audience start praising God with her. And then me and Trudy look at each other and go, yes, Lord, thank you. 
And I, I, I was telling that story in a teacher's meeting years later. And a lady walked up from Oklahoma City, of all places. She said, that was my daughter. She's just uh, beginning college right now. She got healed at Dry Gulch and asthma never came to her the rest of her life. Amen. See, little kids can really know God. we got to believe that. Number three, you will never see the extent of the impact that this will make this side of heaven. You'll never know what some little kid in children's church this morning is hearing from God, not just from the teacher. And we believe in teachers being prepared and lessons being well done. You know, we need to make kids' ministry sharp. In our church, part of my job in our church, I'm called the family pastor. And I oversee all of our kids' ministries and our student ministries, our, our teenagers. And plus, we, Trudy and I do some marriage counseling and, and we do teaching. We have classes on marriage and, and raising kids, parenting in, in, our, in our church. But one of the things that I oversee is our kids' ministry being sharp. We want it to be good. We want it to be anointed, but we want it to be good. We want our lessons to be clear. We want to, we want, we, we, we spend hours preparing for this. We have full-time people on our staff, full-time children's pastor, full-time nursery uh, director, that, that this is their job. And everything is pointed to making this good. Do you know our church, we run about 600 people. 40% of our crowd, 40 to 45%, is under the age of 12 years old. Have a lot of little kids. Why? Because parents hear about our kids' ministry. And, they, and their little kids love it. We had one couple... This guy is a is in the oil and gas business, and his wife's a medical doctor. And they were in a denominational church, and they were looking for a church, so they were checking churches out, right? And they got two little kids. So they come check our church out, and they tell the story. They say, well, we sat down, and we first service, we thought, wow, this is louder than we've ever been in. Music's loud. And wow, this pastor, he's pretty bold. And they pray for people, and they believe in the Holy Spirit. Okay, and said he looked at his wife and said, this is not the church for us. Still much. She says, yeah, you're right. But they picked their kids up. They, they go home and their kids loved it. The next weekend, they're going to check out another church. But their kids start, no, we want to go back to that church. We love that church. They put the pressure on. How many old kids can't exert pressure? So they, they came back. <laughs> and then they came back again. And they've been coming about three months. And they're sitting in the service. And they lean over and one of them says, hey, you know what? I believe this is where we're supposed to be. I believe you're right. It took them three months. The kids got it first service. <laughs> but their kids brought the parents. Happens. Kids ministry is a big deal. It'll cause your church to grow. But, but, but more than that, you don't ever see what's going on in these kids' hearts because they don't tell you. They're just little kids. You know, adults, I, I preach now to adults primarily. And people will come up and say, Brother Ken, that was really good. They'll tell you, right? Kids don't do that. They won't say, oh, teacher, that was a wonderful service. This impacted my life for eternity. They don't do that. They just look at you. And you're going, I don't know if they're getting this or not. you got to do it by faith. Because they don't respond, you know. They may laugh and giggle and have fun, but they, and they'll worship. And, but you don't know what's happening this side of heaven. But then I've been privileged. I've been around a while to hear stories like this. Got a letter one day. And it's, it's uh, handwritten, but it's got something in it, like a, I thought it was money at first. I opened it up, and there was a big Navy medallion. And I read the letter, and it's a little girl in the Navy, 21 years old. She said, I had to write you this letter because of what you've done for me in my life. She said, I grew up in a home where my single-parent home, my mom is an atheist, or was an atheist. I can't remember. I think she said, is an atheist. And so... My mom would not let us watch Christian TV of any kind. But my little brother and I found the Gospel Bill show. And one day, and we would sneak around and watch the show. Isn't that funny? Sneaking around watching Christian TV. She said, and one day we're watching the show and you prayed a prayer at the end to ask Jesus in your heart. We did that on the program. And, and let us, and we asked Jesus to come in our heart and we both got saved that day. Now I'm 21 years old. I'm serving my country. I'm in the Navy. My, my little brother's in the Navy too. I want to honor you with this medallion for the impact you made on my life. Isn't that awesome? Here's something I always say. You ought to write this down. All little kids grow up and turn into real people. 
And what they get from God when they're little sets a bound for their life. So here's the deal. When it comes to kids' ministry, we're talking about a vision for this. It takes people to do this. To facilitate. We need workers. You need new workers all the time. There's no workforce that you need more people for than kids' ministry. Because you got to teach them. you got to watch over them. you got to have security, right? You know, we have to make this a secure thing. Because we're living in a dangerous, dangerous world. When I began doing this years ago, we didn't have all the name tags, name tags, computer things they have now. But you have to have that. Uh, you, we, you have to carefully just take kids to the bathroom a particular way. We never take kids to the bathroom, and you shouldn't do this unless you have uh, two people, and then never go in the bathroom with the child because it's just it's a dangerous time. We, we check out, we do FBI checks on anybody that works in our kids' ministry. They have to clear a background check. It's a big deal. But they all grow up and what they get for God determines their life. So we need helpers. We need helpers to do this. And I'll just tell you this. I'll close with this. You ready for me to close? God's the one that pays you back when you do it. And sometimes Jesus will ask you to do things that are inconvenient. I never intended to get into kids' ministry. Never. I never wanted that. I mean, I always liked little kids. You know, I had a couple. Used to be one. Didn't have anything against kids. But I just got into it because the door opened up and I saw a need. And a lot of times, the way God leads you is He will show you a need that you can fill. Sometimes God leads you by you seeing a need. And when it comes to kids' ministry, just, maybe you just need to help. And be obedient. Because obedience is where it's at. I'm closing with this, I promise. Years ago, I was teaching a conference when I worked with Willie George. And this is back in the early 80s. This is like before the, the, the ministry really took off. And before the TV show, the TV show went all over the country. It's still on in reruns today. It's amazing. And uh, my grandkids watch the show all the time. It's so funny. Uh, but uh, we, were, we were doing children's conferences in churches. We'd travel all over the country. We were in Knoxville, Tennessee. And I was teaching a class in a conference. And uh, the pastor of the church, we always did these in churches, walked in the back door like right back there. And he just stood there as I'm concluding. And when I got done, he walked up to me. And this pastor, I knew pretty well, not real well, but I, we had been there before. But it's not like I was close to him. But he was very prophetic in his gifting. That He just had that on him. So he walks up to me. and He's real quiet, too. He's not like one of these fire-breathing preachers, but that's his personality. He was real laid back. And he said, uh, Brother Ken, uh, would, would you mind if I talked with you for a minute? Would, could I see you in my office? I said, sure. So we go back, and I sit down, he sits down, and he said, well, he's kind of uncomfortable with the way he started telling me this. He said, you know, I was praying about you, and I've been praying this morning, and, and I believe the Lord's told me something about you. I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, I believe the Lord's telling me that you're thinking about leaving this ministry and doing something else. And that was right. Because I wasn't real happy with everything that was going on at that time. <laughs> I'll be honest with you, okay? I mean, it's just real. And I was thinking about, Lord, is there something else that, that I need to do? And I was having some frustration. And so uh, I said, yeah, that's right. And uh, he said, well, I don't believe you're supposed to go. I said, well, okay, well, let me tell you. And so I began to try to tell him why my thinking was this way. And he stops me. He said, I don't need to hear that. He said, in fact, what I'm about to tell you right now, it's not just me and my opinion, okay? He said, this is what Jesus would say to you if He were here right now. I'll never forget it. He kind of leans over the desk and He looked me in the eye and He said, would you do this for me? And when He said that, my heart melted. Because I thought this is the Jesus he's talking about that I heard Jesus in that man's voice that day. I saw him in his eyes. And if Jesus, my whole attitude changed like that. And I thought if Jesus wants me to do this, absolutely. 
Because Jesus is not going to lead me astray. He's not going to do something to hurt me. He's not going to... In fact, Jesus, if you know you're in the will of God, you'll even put up with human things that you don't like. Because you're never going to like everything. There's no perfect situation. There's no perfect church. I'm not talking about perfection in life. I'm talking about fulfilling your purpose and obeying God where you are right now. So would you do it for Jesus? And specifically, concerning kids' ministry. Here's our altar call this morning. This is a little weird and unusual, but I'm challenging people to jump in and help with kids' ministry. Because I don't know know a lot about this church. But here's what I do know. You, You want to build a building, you want to grow. Right? Would you say that? If you want to grow, you need people. If you're going to get people, you got to have kids ministry. You got to have a kids ministry that's vital and it's alive and it's full of people that are excited and fulfilling the job and fulfilling the mission. And you get to be a part of that if you'll obey God. So close your eyes right now. And I believe God may be talking to some people. And if the Lord is, you obey Him because He will only do you good. And just open up your heart and say, Lord, if that's what you want me to do, I'll do it. And I'll do it with all my heart, even if I don't know what I'm doing. And if you're willing to do that, nobody's looking at you. We're not going to take your name down, but just raise your hand up right now to signify, yes, I will obey God, Brother Ken. Yes, hands going up. Put them back down. Yes, yes, yes. Just obey God, whatever. Lord, I thank you for this church. Thank you for the vision here. Thank you for the longevity, for the foundation that's been laid. It's a strong, solid foundation, but it's toward the end, Lord. We're looking at the end of time. We've got a great mission to reach people. New day of of revival, of the move of the Holy Spirit like never before. Lord, I pray this church will fulfill its grand purpose. And I thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody look at me.